Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. So we're busy with this series on Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, or the letter uh, to the, the the church of Ephesus. And uh, we've really been looking at uh, this, this this picture of uh, the reality and identity in Christ and what that means for us. And uh, we, we in chapter two, uh, we're going to get into chapter two this morning. Um, but just a quick recap from last week, we finished chapter one with Paul's prayer. And we looked at, at the significance of, of the prayers that Paul prayed and asking ourselves and being challenged with the thought and the idea of what types of prayers am I praying in my life? If we look at the prayers of Paul, how do my prayers line up with Paul's prayers? And we're using Paul as an example, not because he was a perfect guy, by no means was he perfect. Um, but there's a lot of things that he understood about the identity um, that we have as Christians and the, the, the mystery that was revealed to him that he made known to the church. And um, just seven quick things from recapping from last week, uh, seven uh, quick points of prayer that Paul focused on. He thanked God for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, he asked and he prayed for wisdom and understanding, not for business per se, but wisdom and understanding and the reality and identity that we have as believers. He prayed for peace and unity in the church among the believers. He prayed for empowering again, not empowering, made the joke last week, not empowering to um, do that 150 bench press that you wanted to uh, achieve as a goal or, uh, or, or run that five, five kilometer distance under um, 20 minutes. Like uh, That's not the empowering that Paul prayed for. Um, he prayed for empowering so that he could advance the gospel, um, so that he can be a witness of the gospel. He prayed for love to overflow. That's something that... Uh, we can pray on a daily basis, all of these prayers really, but love overflowing um, because that's what G Jesus said that uh, they'll know you're my disciples for your love for one another. So for love to overflow, then six um, opportunities to minister to believers. Powerful. While he was in prison, he even prayed for that opportunities to minister to uh, 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 the believers, or he prayed for opportunities to minister, to be with the believers, to minister to them, equip them. But he also prayed and asked um, the, 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 the church to pray for him for boldness to minister the gospel with clarity. And that's awesome. Those are just uh, seven things. And uh, maybe this morning you're wondering like, man, like I've never prayed any of those types of prayers. Well, uh, welcome to the party. Now you can start. Uh, you can always uh, 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 teach an old dog, dog new tricks. Amen. Awesome. So uh, this morning we're going to get into chapter two. But before we get there, uh, we're just going to finish off on chapter one. And uh, we're going to read from verse 22 to 23 and then uh, run into chapter two. So it says here, Ephesians chapter 1, 22 to 23. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Now, this is powerful. Um, finishing off this prayer and this, this, this idea and this truth that 
the church of God, the body of Christ, we are the fullness of him. Now, how are we the fullness of him? Are we the fullness of him by something we've done? Or is it because of what we believe? It's because of what we believe. It's because we've received the spirit of God. And now because of that, Colossians 2.10 says that we are complete in Christ. Complete, another word just for complete is uh, full, jam-packed, to the brim. Uh, and so we are the fullness of him. We are, we are a picture of fullness from God to the world. The church should represent the fullness of Christ. Now we are growing in this, and that's why Paul is praying for understanding and wisdom and the reality of identity, because as that becomes a reality, there'll be a fruitfulness and a manifestation of this fullness that Paul is talking about here. But it's awesome to see that God's heart is really for his fullness to be manifest through his church. That is all of us together. Now, there's the fullness that you have as a believer. In your spirit, you've been made complete in Christ and you're lacking no good, uh, no good thing. But when we come together, there's a different aspect. There's a different dynamic of, of a, a, a picture of fullness that we get to manifest and the world gets to see through us. So the local church is vitally important. And all of you, I'm preaching to the choir now this morning, the, the local body of Christ, the, 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 the coming together of the believers. Um, there's an there's a empowering in that. There's something that we get to experience. That's why you guys are here this morning. Um, the, 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 the people who don't believe that there's a, there's a special, um, uh, 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 how can I say this, a special anointing, if I can say that, even though anointing, every believer is anointed because we've got the Spirit of God, but there's a special picture that we get to represent when we're coming together. And I want to commend you guys firstly. Thank you for valuing the local church. Thank you for valuing the gathering, the coming together of the believers to partake together of the word with, with joy and with gladness, but also to, to, to have the spirit of God minister in us and through us this morning. And like, man, I can't, I can't force you guys um, to be a partaker this morning. Like even uh, when we're in person, I can't force anyone to be a partaker this morning. I can't force the spirit of God outside of you. That will just be religious. But I can prompt you on what the Spirit of God is doing inside of you and what He wants to release from you. And whenever we gather, maybe you're going to be uncomfortable at times. Maybe you're going to feel like, man, like, oh, this is a bit uncomfortable. Like, oh, why, why does AT need to invite people to partake? Why, 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 why can't I just sit on the bench and kind of be a spectator? Like, it, it feels so nice. It feels so comfortable. No one ever grew in their comfort zone. No one, you'll never grow when you're in your comfort zone. You grow outside of your comfort zone. You grow when you are challenged. How, does, how, how do muscles grow? I was, I was kind of a dramatic pause. I was waiting for a response, but like, I know it's a, we, we're not doing it like that this morning, but muscles grow because they are challenged, right? If you go to gym, you're challenging your muscles. Now, if you want to grow as a believer, mature as a believer, because remember, this is something that, that's profound. It's going to bless you. In your spirit, you can't grow. In your spirit, you are complete in Christ. You've got the Holy Spirit of God Almighty living inside of you. You've got a mature Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Where we grow is in our soul and understanding what we have in our minds. Romans 12 verse 2, we'll get into that a little bit later. So, so I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not going to 
uh, push you into doing something, but I'm going to speak in a way and I'm going to uh, invite different things and it is going to f- make you feel uncomfortable. But I'm inviting you to just kind of stick around, allow yourself to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And before you know it, you might just have a, have a nudging where you step out and you do something and you experience drastic supernatural growth by stepping out. Amen. So I'm believing that for you. Maybe, maybe that's a, I believe that's a word for someone this morning. Like you've never done anything whatsoever close to supernatural. What I mean by supernatural, it's, it's praying for someone that's sick, not just in like, uh, when you like, you see someone seeking, like, can I, can I pray for you? And then they say like, yeah, please. And you're like, okay, cool. And then you walk away and then you go home and then you pray for them. Um, I'm not talking about that type of prayer. I'm talking about the prayer where you're laying your hands on the sick in front of them and you're praying for them. So maybe you've never done something like that in the supernatural. Um, before I did that the first time, I was also someone who never did it. So all of us at some point have never done something. And then we do something. And then we see, okay, cool, it worked or it didn't work. And then we get to like ask God and kind of journey in that. Like, okay, cool, maybe, maybe I, I should change this. Maybe I could do that differently. So we're all together growing in these things. And this is in my notes, but I, I trust that this is a, really a word for someone. Then at some point uh, in the supernatural, in, in speaking a prophetic word for someone, maybe you, you get a picture or you get a vision um, while we're worshiping or while you're praying um, in the spirit or spending time with God. And you kind of get these cool pictures and visions, but you've never shared that with anyone. And maybe it's for specific people in your life. Most probably it is, but you've never been obedient to share that. And so it can't develop. You can't grow in that. And someone else is missing out because guess what? Now, this is going to bless you because you're self-centered. And if you're upset with me now, it proves my point. You're self-centered. Okay. Now, I'm, I started off hard. Then I'm going to get into it a little bit uh, in, in a softer way. Um, we're going to e- ease into it. <laughs> <laughs> we eat some turbulence there. Just stay buckled, uh, seat belts, uh, have it clipped in. Um, God is good. He loves you. Um, just say, I love Etienne. He's awesome. He really loves me. Um, he's not trying to hurt me or trying to offend me. He's really trying to just uh, uh, unlock everything that God has got for me and just bring that to the surface. Amen. Awesome. So, uh, so we ended off chapter chapter one um, on that note where the church of God, the body of Christ is his fullness. And we want to see that fullness manifest um, among ourselves and also to the world. Then we go into chapter two and it starts off by saying, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the command of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now it's beautiful. We need to remember that the book and the letter specifically of, of Ephesians is a letter. It's not, um, it's, it's broken up in, in six chapters, but it's one letter and we need to read it in that flow. So going from chapter one to chapter two, it's not like there was a pause and a few days pause. And then kind of he, he started thinking, pause, writing a new thought, or he's kind of getting to something new. No, it's all linked into one another. So chapter two links into chapter one, finishing off with this picture of completeness. So if you link chapter one and this, this picture and idea of completeness that we have together with Christ and with one another, it is linking you once were dead 
because of your disobedience and the many sins thereof. Now, the awesome thing here is when you are dead, when you haven't believed, when you haven't believed and obeyed the gospel, because that's what obedience is. Obedience isn't doing something as much as believing something. Because if you believe something, there will be a doing that follows. If I said, hey, guys, um, the first person that will be um, at my house can get our car for free. No strings attached. If I send that invite out, whoever would believe that would be at my doorstep in a few minutes from now. So our belief leads to actions. So we don't act to make ourselves believe. That's presumption. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's not faith. Faith believes something, is convinced by something, and there's actions that follow that belief, not the other way around. We need to get this, this right. So obedience is believing something. So we once were dead because of our disobedience or our, our unbelief, and that unbelief led to many sins, right? Sins didn't lead to unbelief. Unbelief led, led to sins. If we don't believe who we are, that we are the righteousness of God, created holy, blameless as saints, we can't live holy lives. We can't live in his righteousness because we don't believe that. But it's beautiful how, how this picture of fullness and completeness is linked to being uh, and, 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 and drawing this, this con, uh, a contrary view of, uh, of being dead by disobedience and uh, in unbelief. And we see this throughout the world. People are feeling incomplete, trying to be complete by everything and anything other than Jesus Christ. That's the problem of the world. That's the problem that the world is sitting in. People are feeling a void, feeling an, a sense of incompleteness. And they're trying to, to fill that void with everything. But the answer, the only thing that can bring that fullness that completeness that chapter one finishes on is by being united with christ he's our father he created the world he spoke the world into existence his desire was to create man and to have perfect union perfect communion perfect fellowship with man the only way to have perfect fellowship, perfect communion with God Almighty is by having His Spirit come and live inside of us. The only way to have His Spirit come and live inside of us is to respond to the gospel, the message of Jesus coming to die for the sins of the world. And when we believe the gospel, we receive the perfect Spirit of God and there's an unbroken union, an unbroken fellowship that we get to experience as His sons and daughters. And no longer is there a void that we need to fill. Because we've been filled complete, made complete by Christ. We've received the fullness of God by only obeying. And this is awesome. When we obey, our nature changes. And no longer is there many sins. Maybe you might be making mistakes, but it's not because of your nature that you're making mistakes. It's not because you, you haven't believed. If you've believed your, sin, your sinful nature was crucified with Christ. You're believing on that picture, Romans chapter 6. Christ died and he overcame death. In that same way, consider yourselves dead and alive to God. So you don't have a nature problem, but you might still have a, uh, have a belief problem, not with regards to salvation, but with regards to what happened to you at salvation. That's why we, we often say that there's one of two problems with someone living in sin. One, 
either they haven't received the spirit of God and their nature is inclined and driving them to sin or two, they've received the spirit of God, but they don't know what that means for them. Lack of knowledge is killing people, making people uh, uh, unfruitful because they don't believe what they have in Christ. But it's so important when we think obedience, don't think actions. Stop thinking actions when you're thinking obedience. Think faith in God. That's really what it boils down to. At its simplest form, obedience is trust in God, trust in his word. It's believing God and his word more than anything else in the world, including our hearts and our emotions. It's believing God and his word more than anything else in the world. That's what obedience is. Adam and Eve didn't obey God. Not because they ate of the fruit. That was the action. Their disobedience was not believing that God is good and that he created them perfect, righteous in his image. That he was not withholding any good thing from them. They did not believe that. And the unbelief of that led them to try and do something to become like God. That is what religion does. Religion says, do something and you'll be like God. Religion in relationship says, if you do this for me, then I'll do that for you. We need to reset our thinking and come to realize who we are in God and how God created us perfect, righteous in his image. We are, we are bearers of Christ. We are called ambassadors of God in his kingdom. If we don't believe that, if we don't become convinced of that, it will never change our actions. It will never change the way we deal and treat people. But when we start believing what God says about us, when we in humility, because it requires humility to believe everything about God's word and not uh, go by my emotions, by my feelings. Yes, your emotions are, 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 are there. Yes, your feelings are there. It's a reality. It's something that you're experiencing. If you're sick, it's, we're not saying, don't say you're sick. Uh, if you're going through emotions, we're not saying pretend as if everything is okay. No, bring the situation to the light. Let's glorify Jesus. Let's speak the power of God to be manifest in your life. And let's walk this thing out together. Let's ask God, what is the steps that you need to take to see this manifestation and see the unfolding of this manifestation in your life? Faith isn't pretending. Faith isn't uh, pretending as if everything is okay. That puts condemnation on people. That creates an environment where people don't feel free to share with one another. Hey guys, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. Because we're feeling like we are less a believer because oh, we're not walking in that. We, we, we seek again or we, we, we this again or we that again. That's not an environment of grace and freedom. We're inviting you to bring your challenges to the table because if you're hurting and we don't know you're hurting, you're hurting the body subconsciously. Somewhere along the lines, we're going to kind of lo lose a limb, so to speak, because you didn't deal with the problem when it was there. Let's deal with the problems. Let's deal with the challenges together and minister to one another. Let's be loving towards one another if someone else is struggling. Let's pray for them. Let's continue to pray for them. Let's not stop praying for them until we see that manifestation, that breakthrough. Because their breakthrough is our breakthrough. Their victory is our victory. Romans chapter 12, when I read it from the, the voice translation, verse 1 and 2 says, 
Brothers and sisters, in light of all I have shared with you about God's mercies, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God, a sacred offering that brings Him pleasure. This is your reasonable, essential worship. Do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing and complete. Now, this is awesome. There's, there's, there's so much in you. But being a living sacrifice and choosing to be that living sacrifice, it's, it's firstly, it's a daily decision that we get to make. Yes, you receive the spirit of God, you're a child of God, you eternally secure in your salvation. That can't change. But whether you a living sacrifice and whether you're not, is something that you still have to choose on a daily basis. By worshiping God, as it says in, in, um, in verse 1 at the end there, this, this sacred offering, being a living sacrifice, bringing pleasure, this is our reasonable and essential worship. Worshiping God is just, isn't just singing a song. Even though singing a song about God's goodness and declaring um, Him good, it's, it's awesome. It's a form of worship. But we get to worship God even with our finances. And maybe some of you aren't worshiping God with your finances. You're just worshiping your, your, your flesh with your finances. Maybe that's a little bit of a hard word this morning, but maybe it's a word that you need to hear. And when the Spirit is ministering, remember, He's not ministering condemnation to you. He's ministering conviction to you. There's something in your heart that is being switched on right now and you're identifying, man, I've been idolizing my body or I've been idolizing X or, or Y. And you get to, while you're identifying that thing, lay it down at Jesus' feet, knowing that when we lay things down, as God leads us, it's for our benefit. Man, if you can get this in your heart, if you can leave this meeting with this in your heart this morning, it will set you up for so much freedom and victory. When God leads you to lay something down, it is for your benefit. If there is something in your life that is distracting you or something in your life that you've become to idolize, however nice it is, when you choose to lay it down with His empowering and His grace, it is for your benefit, the fruit that you're going to experience from that. I hope that bless someone. So this is our reasonable and essential worship. How we are we living our lives? Is the lives that we're living lives that, that, that represent uh, people worshiping God is the lives that we're living that the things that we're doing and partaking of on a, on a, on a daily basis in what way, shape or form is your life declaring that I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. And because I'm loved by God, I'm loving people because remember the love of God isn't just for you. Yes, it is for you. Amen. It is for you. But if you don't, if, if you start to see God's love for you, you'll start to understand his love for the people around you as well. So in what way is your life representing a life that is transformed? Because remember, verse 2, do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. This is talking about and talking to believers. A believer can still be molded by this world's image. Just because you receive the spoil of God, just because you, you, you sealed with the salvation and eternally secure, doesn't mean by default you're going to live free from the mold of the world. Oftentimes we think 
I've become a believer. So, man, like uh, God has uh, just removed my free will from you. No, you, you'll always have free will. You'll always have free will. So with your free will, you get to choose, am I a living sacrifice today? Am I worshiping God today? Or am I just going to kind of fall into the pattern of this world, fall into the mold of this world? It says, instead, be transformed by the inside out. So it's not by the outside in. It's not by your actions that you are transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not the removal of your mind, the renewing of your mind. As a result, you'll be able to discern what is God's will and whatever he finds good, pleasing, and complete. It's so awesome and it's so easy, the, the things of God. Oftentimes, Christianity and religion tries to overcomplicate over things. I have this, this long list of things that you need to do to get to this place of, of victory and freedom. No, it's very simple. Believe who you are. Believe what God says about you. Be, 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 be overwhelmed by, by God's plans for your life, his love for you, his love for the people around you. If you come to know that, man, you'll be able to worship God every day, wherever you're going, whether you're going to go do grocery shopping, whether you're throwing petrol in at the gas station, whether you're giving a class at, at the school, whether you're a doctor in the uh, um, consultation rooms, whether you're uh, an agent, whether you're uh, a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter where you are and what you're doing. You'll be able to worship God 24-7 because you know who you are and you know what God has called you for here on earth. What you do isn't your calling. Why are you doing it is your calling. Whether you're an engineer, that's not your calling. That's a vehicle of your calling. You're a child of God. You're loved by God. You're an ambassador of him and his love for the world. And your vehicle is just a way for you to go about doing that. You've got a sphere of influence. Whether you've got a job, whether you don't have a job. You've got a sphere of influence. You've got people connected with you. That is your sphere of influence. Your family is a sphere of influence. The places that you go on a regular basis, whether it's a coffee shop, whether it's a, a, a specific park, there's a sphere of influence there. There's people there for you to, be, to, to reach with God's love and his goodness. When we start believing God's word and his love and his nature towards us, we won't be able but to help think about every person that we see and come in contact with asking ourselves the question, are they connected to the family of God? Have they received the greatest gift of all time? Have they received the gift of Jesus Christ who came to die for them so that they can be united, so they can be made complete? Without the spirit of God, that person is incomplete. There's a void that will never be filled, that cannot be filled by anything other than God's spirit. And they'll go and live in destruction. They'll hurt people. They'll wreck people's lives because they don't know who they are. And you might just be that person that connects them to the life source. Everyone in this meeting, it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. It doesn't matter how, 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 how short you've been a believer. It doesn't matter how your personality looks. It doesn't matter how you look. There's one thing certain. God Almighty Spirit is inside of you. And guess what that Spirit desires to do through you? 
a desire to show love to every person that you come in contact with. None of this is in my notes. But I really believe and I, I sense strongly that, that God wants to stir something in our hearts that every person in this meeting has got God's heart's desire for the people that you come in contact with. Getting a bit emotional here. Um, it's not, not, not because I'm pregnant or anything like that. <laughs> uh, funny joke, funny joke. Um, but this is really something you know, I, I feel strongly and I sense strongly that um, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a world out there that, that hasn't come in contact with the love of Christ. And man, is it awesome to know that God has chosen to be uh, co-laborers with us and through us. Everyone in this meeting, like I said, it doesn't matter how holy you live. It doesn't matter how unholy you live in. God's spirit inside of you wants to represent Jesus. And yes, that representation is going to lead to holy living and it's going to lead to, to, to good works and, and being a blessing to people. But good works has never made someone receive Christ per se. Romans 10, unless they hear the gospel, not, not just see the gospel. Yes, there's a seeing of the gospel that, that intrigues people. There's a seeing of good things that, that intrigues people. But there are many organizations in this world that are ungodly, don't, uh, aren't connected with the spirit and the life source of God that do good things. There's many organizations that do good things. There's many people that do good things. Doing good things doesn't bring people into the kingdom of God. It's believing on Jesus. And in order for someone to believe on Jesus, they need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear the gospel specifically. There's a lot of Jesus talk out there that isn't the gospel. We need to narrow down to what is the gospel. It's a simple message. Forgiveness of sins, justification unto righteousness. God's spirit living in man. That's the reality of Christianity. This is something that we need to come alive to plant in our hearts. So we can live this out. Ephesians 2 verse 3 says, All of us used to live that way, following the passion and desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So again, linking this, there was a, we were dead. We were separated. We were living by our own passions, following the passions of our desires and our inclination of the sinful nature. This is awesome how the new living puts it, because on the contrary, we now get to follow the passions and the desires and the inclinations of our new righteous nature. As before, our sinful nature was driving us and how we were inclined to follow that nature. We've got now the nature of the Holy Spirit, the nature of God, giving us new passions and desires and inclinations that we get to follow. Verse 4, but God so rich in his mercy because of and in order to justify or satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. This is awesome. In order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. This is, this is such a beautiful picture. And this picture didn't just kind of appear or God didn't just kind of, when Jesus was, was born, it wasn't like, okay, God now become a became a loving God. Oftentimes we get things m m messed up so much when, we, when we're reading and studying the word. We, we think when Jesus came then, wow, then, then God kind of, something changed. Like his mood changed and now he became this wonderful and intense loving father. 
Hebrews um, 13, I believe, verse, verse, verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus himself said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if Jesus Christ was a perfect representation of the Father, Hebrews um, chapter 1 also talks about the, uh, Jesus was the exact copy, the exact picture of who God is. And so if Jesus Christ is the same, and Jesus is the exact copy of his Father, of God, then God has always been the same. So this love of God, this wonderful and intense love, which he loved us with, has always been there from the beginning of time. Romans 5 eight also says that by Christ died for us while we we're still sinners. And by this, God showed how much he loved us. God's love was demonstrated in a, in a, in a, in a public way. 1 John 4.19 says we love him because he first loved us. It all boils down to God's love for us. I often use uh, John as an example. In the gospel of John, you see, see the writing uh, and the writer saying, um, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And guess what? John was the writer of John. And John writes about himself, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. When we get to be persuaded and when we come to a place where like, man, 18, the disciple who Jesus loved, Devon, the disciple who Jesus loved, Helen, the disciple who Jesus loved, Anna, the disciple who Jesus loved. When we become primarily focused in on God's love for us, not the other way around. Man, is there going to be a manifestation of power in our lives? Manifestation of faith in our lives. Because faith works by love. Galatians chapter 5. Faith works by faith is activated by love. And Romans 10, 17 also says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the gospel of God. The love of God, that picture of love, that message of love, because the gospel is a message of love. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8, this is beautiful and such a, such a picture of, of Jesus and, and everything that he gave up. In the easy to read version says, in your life together, think the way Christ Jesus thought. Now was that? It says, verse 6, he was like God in every way, but he did not think that his being equal with God was something to use for his own benefit. Imagine that how many believers in this world and I question them being believers um, by the statement. How many believers in this world are trying to use their Christianity as just something for their own benefit? We, so, we see so many, like so much manipulation in this world and, and um, deception, especially when it comes to finances and prosperity and, and teachings on prosperity. And, and man, it's just sad to see. Jesus didn't. Take his being equal with God as something to use for his own benefit. Instead, he gave up everything, even his place with God. He accepted the role of a servant appearing in human form during his life as a man. He humbled himself by being fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on a cross. Now, that's something to just, just go and meditate on um, even today and just as much as possible is that Jesus, perfect God, left everything. And he didn't just kind of leave everything, come to earth, and then became a servant. Guess what he was before he was a servant? He was a baby. 
Now, uh, Chris, um, our son turned nine months uh, young yesterday, and he can't do anything for himself. He can't feed himself. He can't change his own nappy. He can't bath himself. That was Jesus. Jesus wasn't born able to change his nappy. Jesus wasn't born able to feed himself. Jesus wasn't born just kind of speaking from the get-go and walking and, and running. And that's how much Jesus humbled himself. God Almighty humbled himself, stooped to that level in order so we can receive everything that we're talking about this morning. Celebrate the gospel. Celebrate our victory. Celebrate the empowering that God has got for us. Man, that's something awesome and something that that will stir so many so many good emotions and endorphins off in your in your heart and in your brain. Just meditating on that picture, everything that Jesus sacrificed for you, that's the love of God. That's how much He sacrificed for you. Our human minds struggle to fathom the intensity of God's love for us. But let's press into that. Let's let's awaken to that let's let's step out to to be expectant to see and to experience more of god's love for us through his word but also through coming together in this setting and through allowing the holy spirit to minister through us to one another verse 5 says even when we were dead slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with christ he gave us the very life of christ himself the same new life with which he quickened him, for it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. This is the reality of our, our Christianity, that we are alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. As Christ is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is seated on the right hand of the throne of God in heavenly places, so we are also seated with him in heavenly places. That is talking about a, a, an authority, a place of authority that Jesus has, but it, that is also given to us. We see this in Matthew 28 when Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go therefore. Because of this, because of this authority that's been given to me, I'm sending you out as my ambassadors. Ambassador is a representative. An ambassador goes out by the stamp of approval by the sending party. Jesus sent us. We've got his stamp of approval. We've got his voice. We're speaking on his behalf. When we pray, we're praying on his behalf. When we're laying hands on the sick, we're doing that with empowering on his behalf. We are the hands and feet of Jesus today here on earth. Now, that is something that, that is also a struggling concept and, 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 and thought because even though that's a reality in our spirit and we can experience that, for various reasons, we are limiting that. Mainly because of the disconnect in our mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2. There's a disconnect in our mind and a, a unbelief and things that we need to filter out. I did a teaching on, on unbelief, uh, um, I think it was early on this year or last year, but on flushing out unbelief. And we flush out unbelief by getting into the word, getting into the word, washing ourselves with the word. But this is something that, that God wants us to experience, this union and this togetherness that we have with Christ. 
He gave us the very life of Christ himself. That's powerful. I love how the Amplified Classic uh, puts it there. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. The same new life, not old life, not sinful life, the same new life with which he quickened him. Romans 8 verse 11 says that the same spirit that raised Christ, Jesus from the dead is living inside of your mortal bodies and quickening your mortal bodies. That same spirit, not a different spirit, not a, a little spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that empowering is living inside of us. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.